You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. So we're in this series called Regift, and what we're trying to do is take the concept of regift, which is typically you get something, doesn't really strike a chord with you, it's not something you're interested in, you're ready to pass it on because it's not really meaningful. So you regift it to someone else. We want to flip that upside down and say, you know what? Things that have come our way that have proven very meaningful, they've been a blessing. They have something that really struck a chord with us, they got to our heart, they made a difference in our life. We want to consider those gifts and turn around and re-gift that to someone else as well. Uh, case in point, uh, this weekend, yesterday, the game, um, four great tickets came our way, just out of the blue, got a call, some guy passing four UK tickets our way, great seats, we were like, yes, all over it, a gift to us. So Michelle and I started thinking, okay, who can we invite? We make this long list, and then we make a short list, because, you know, we got five, there's five of us in our family, but there's only four tickets. So we're thinking, what couple could we invite? We start calling people. Everyone is busy. As the time elapses, it's get, it gets really close to the game. We're thinking, you know, well, let's just go stand like a scalper. Just stand out in front of the arena and start talking. But that's a little shady. We actually started to stand in this one place, and this guy's going, hey, you got tickets? You got extra? You got any you don't need? You know what? He just kept banging us. So we're like, no, no, no. We don't want to look like that. So we go in. We get our seats. We're thinking, who can we get? We're looking up in this section. I'm thinking, anybody from my hometown here? Anybody from Harlan that I could bring down here? Lower level. Can't find anybody. Scrolling through Facebook, seeing if anybody checked in at the game. We didn't see anybody. So I go up and I stand at the section where the people are walking up to the nosebleeds, right? And I'm just standing there and there's people are walking by and I'm thinking, who's the right couple? Who's the right couple? I'm actually praying about this. You know, God, is there a right couple that this could really bless right now? So fans get fewer and fewer and fewer. Then this other couple comes by. I catch them and I say, hey, you going up? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I've got these tickets. And he's like, no, 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 no. We already got our tickets. I'm like, no, I know this is weird, but just follow me. Just trust me. Early Christmas present. So it's this young guy, young gal, they do, they follow me down, they sit with me and Michelle, we got to know them a little bit. It was just a blessing and it was really neat sitting there thinking, wow, this came my way. This came to me and Michelle just out of the blue. And we were able to turn and re-gift that to someone else just out of the blue. And maybe you've been able to do that with something that's been meaningful or special or neat for you. And that's what we want to underscore as we do this. And one particular thing that I've been gifted that I hope you see the value in is time. And when you think about time, you think clocks, calendars, schedules, moments, experiences. What is time? Well, Jesus is in this shift in his life where people are thinking, okay, this might be the Christ. Maybe he's not. Do we follow him? Do we not follow him? Then he's starting to talk about dying for the world, dying for people. And some are like, you know, I'm checking out. I'm not really down with that. thought you were going a different direction. But there's this passing comment that he makes, and it illustrates a couple of things, one about God and one about you and I, and it comes from John chapter 7. Kind of just a fleeting comment. John chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus says, you know, the right time for me, the right time for me has not yet come. But for you, any time, any time is right. So this tells us a couple of things. One, Jesus, our Lord, our leader, He values this idea of time and not just clocks and calendars, but the idea of timing. When is the time right? 
And then it also illustrates that you and I, we value time differently than our Lord, our leader. Any time is right for us. Any time is right. That makes me think about bedtime in our house. I'm the worst. I know I talk a lot about family and all that jazz, but where I really mess up, it's at bedtime. When it's bedtime, Michelle is ready by the clock. Bella needs to be in bed at this time. All this stuff, you know, teeth brush, jammies, face wash, stories, prayers, all that stuff needs to be done by this time. Well, if I think, if she says 7.30, I'm thinking, okay, 7.30, Bella's about to go to sleep. Let me rush in there and wrestle her around a little bit, tickle her and stuff like that. And what does that do? It gets her all worked up and then Michelle gets frustrated and she starts doing, no, I'm just kidding, you know. It, it usually ends up in some kind of fight or something like that because she has this idea of time that I don't. When it's bedtime, for me, anytime's the right time. And what happens is that we realize, you know what, maybe this isn't just about bedtime. And we've noticed this over the past 17 years. It's not just about bedtime. It's about other things. And you think about timing. There's a right time to enter a room or enter a conversation, to have a hard conversation, to go on vacation, to switch careers, to make a move geographically. There's a right time to have resolve conflict. And sometimes we think any time is right when it's really not. And maybe you have a story in your mind where you realize someone has gifted you this idea of time. They gifted you something at the right time. And it made a difference in your life. Uh, That's kind of what Ecclesiastes chapter 8 is telling us. It says, life is hard. You know, it's not just about friction at bedtime when you can get frustrated with someone that you're close to. Life in general can be hard. But there is a time and a place for everything. There's a time for everything. And our God values time. And when you look at time biblically, there's a couple of words for it. One is chronos, where we get our word chronology. The other is kairos, where we get our word for kaiserbund. No, I'm just kidding. Just seeing if y'all are still awake. Still following? Okay. Kronos and Kairos. Kronos, you think more sequential. It's an order. Kairos is more seasonal, if you will. A Kronos is more quantities, hours or minutes or seconds. Kairos is more qualities. It's more quality driven. A Kronos is fixed. While Kairos is fluid. Now, which do you think is used most often in our New Testament? Kairos. This biblical idea of time isn't about a fixed moment. It's more about a fluid opportunity. So I push back on Michelle all the time and say, I know you want her to bed, but the Bible's actually more about the moment. I'm just teasing, but it really is. It's about the opportune time the moment you seize that moment, you see something's lining up and you need to take advantage of that. Or you take as much time as you need to to really drive home what needs to be driven home in a relationship. You make time. That's the biblical understanding. Uh, You think about basketball. Basketball is more chronos, you know, UK game. Every game has two halves with 20 minutes. Chronos, it's a fixed time. Baseball, however, you have nine innings, but they can stretch out a little longer or they can be shorter depending on the fluidity or the play of the game. And this is super important because it happens or it affects us 
in ways that we don't even recognize in the moment. Chip and Dan Heath, they wrote a book called The Power of the Moment. And they did this neat study. They had these people come in for three trials. Trial number one, they were going to hold their hands in water for 60 seconds. And the water is 57 degrees. So it's cold water. And they're holding their hands in there for 60 seconds. Trial's over. They move on to trial number two. They're going to hold their hands in water for 90 seconds. The only deal is the last 30 seconds, they bump the temperature up just two degrees to 59 degrees. Still frigid, but not as frigid. So trial three was you get to choose. Do you only want to have your hands freezing for 60 seconds or 90 seconds? Which do you think most people chose? The 90. 70% of the participants chose the longer trial simply because in the duration of that, there was just this little bump in comfort, just a little bump that they could sense or feel. So they call this duration neglect. In other words, when you're experiencing something, once it's over, you kind of forget about the whole thing. You forget about how long it took and you focus on what they refer to as the peak. The peak is that moment where you recognize you're present, something that happens. Now this could be good, like having two degrees of frigid water bumped up, or bumped up two degrees, right? Or it could be something bad. But once an experience is over, we don't remember the duration. We don't remember the length. We remember the peak moment. So maybe you can think of a conversation you have with someone that's really close to you and you drop the word you shouldn't have dropped and that's all you can remember. All you can think about is what you said. Or you have another rocky relationship and something went down that shouldn't and that's all you can think about. You don't know how long it lasted, but you know that peak moment. Or you've had something great that happened. They also did a study when a family goes to Disney World and they've been, the trip's been done for a year or so. They usually remember having the Mickey Mouse ears walking out of the park. That's the big memory. That was the big moment for them. But sometimes in our lives, the bad peaks outweigh the good ones. That's what we remember. But our great God values time in such a way that he says, you know what? You can go back and you can change that. Think of, think of Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians five says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, redeeming the time, making things right. And yeah, it's Kairos used here. Redeem the time through moments, making conversations or experiences meaningful with people. You can redeem time. Now, I made a mistake here. Can we go back to the line? Are we able to do that? I don't want to overlook that. Do you know how powerful this is, this line? This is so powerful, especially when you're talking about time. Michelle and I learned this concept some time ago in the heat of difficult conversations we were having. A line, you can do so much with this, but you think it's not just a line. It represents the surface, the surface. So you can put a person or a group over here. You can put a person or a group over here. And if they're in conflict, this line can represent the conflict. And above the surface, what happens? Well, maybe there's poor communication, or maybe there's name calling, or maybe there's distance put between the couple, intentional distance. 
Maybe there's antagonism in different ways. Maybe there's physical violence. But what happens is that you've got above the surface, you've got all these symptoms occurring. And typically the way we're wired, we'll address this issue right here. Then a little bit of time will elapse. And maybe it's gone, but we still have this stuff. A little time will elapse and we've dealt with this, but it pops back up over here, maybe in a different way. So the goal is to get below the surface and not just deal with the symptoms, but really what's going on that's causing all this to happen. So you draw a line. I used to do this with churches, especially when churches were making a leap from a traditional oriented service to more of a contemporary or progressive. You ask, traditional, contemporary, above the surface, you've got disagreement in all kinds of different forms. But below the surface, you've got to ask the question, what's really important to you here? What's driving all of these disagreements? What do you think you're losing or what do you think you're gaining? What's going on down here? And when you can address that, you can solve all these symptoms and often wipe the slate clean once and for all. Think about that with time. I see this happen frequently as a pastor. You've got these issues going on up here. And just like Michelle and I with Bella's bedtime, typically below the surface, what's occurring? It's a time issue. The timing is off. And it causes frustration. When you don't value the way someone else experiences time, it causes frustration. You've been there? You think about Hebrews chapter 12 and time. This is where the Hebrew author is teaching that God allows bad stuff to happen. God uses the bad stuff that happens and he calls it discipline. And he uses it to teach us and show us maybe where we're wrong or at fault or where we have weaknesses and how we can grow through those things. And then he reaches a point in verse 11. He says, you know what? It's never fun. It's never fun to be corrected. In fact, at the time, it's always painful when you're being corrected. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. Do you notice the connection there? The way you and I experience time can evolve into an experience of peace. So this season, when we talk about the hustle and bustle and everybody's drained, and we already have crammed calendars anyway, one of the greatest things you can re-gift someone is the idea of time, space, meaningful moments where you focus on really what is important here, a kairos understanding of time where there's quality and there's a fluid nature. You're not just so caught up in the clock that it's distracting you from really what's important in a relationship. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you interacting with your bulletin a little bit if you want to go ahead and get that. And my advice to you, if you see that frustration often comes in your family because the time is off, the timing is off, or someone doesn't value your time, or you don't value someone else's time, or you don't see things the right way, what I want you to do is just observe. Observe. Listen to the people closest to you, the ones you're doing life with, the ones you work with. Listen to the language they use. And see how much of it is centered around time, timing. 
So this guy, Dwayne Elmer, in his book, Cross-Cultural Communication, he developed this thing called a time continuum. You'll see it there, kind of at the bottom of your notes area. You've got the words time and event. And he argues, and I think he's dead on, that typically, and he doesn't say one is right and one is wrong, and he doesn't say it's always 100% of the time this way. Sometimes we have a little bit of ebb and flow. But his idea is that sometimes most of us are usually wired either toward time, which would be chronos, the clock, the calendar. And then some of us are more wired about along the lines of an event. Like we don't really focus on the clock so much. Maybe you've got someone in your life, they're always late, but they're always at the event. They're more experience or event driven. So just take a few moments and put yourself there. Where, where do you fall on this continuum? How close to the time? How close to the event? And then consider your spouse or your parents. Maybe it's clicking for some of you. You remember your childhood. You remember your parents like, wow, they were way off when it comes to this stuff or totally different and it caused this to occur. Where are your parents? And if you have children, put a C there. Where are your children at on this continuum? Just take a moment to observe where you are, your spouse, your parents, your children, or substitute. You know, if you don't have a spouse or children, put your colleagues or something. But notate on your bulletin right now where you are. Whisper your results to your neighbor. Maybe you can share whether you knew this all along or this is new information to you. Just don't start fighting right now. So when I uh, did this with myself and with Michelle, I was thinking, let me show you how warped this can be sometimes. For me, I'm more along the lines of the time. I love to respect time. Uh, Some of my frustrations occur when I feel like my time is being manipulated or abused or not respected. Now get this warpedness though. So for me, if someone says five minutes, to me, that means five minutes What is that, 300 seconds? But if I tell someone five minutes, that means anywhere from three to seven. I got some play. And that's just, that makes sense to me. I don't know why. I know it's selfish. I know it's not consistent, but it clicks. And I bet there's some idiosyncrasies like that in your psyche about time as well. Time clicks for you in a certain way. And when you're rubbing shoulders with someone, and it doesn't click with them the same way, it can cause frustration. But our great God values timing. Uh, Notice this, Galatians 4.4. When the time was right, God sent his son. When the time was right, God sent Jesus to begin redeeming this fallen broken world. One of the greatest 
gifts you can re-gift someone is the value of timing. I told you about the stint I had in the hospital uh, several years ago. And I remember lying on a hospital bed, life still in the, hanging in the balance of the air right there. Like, are, am I going to live? Am I not? And I had to do this procedure later that afternoon, went through it. I came coming up out of the anesthesia and getting my bearings straight again. And I remember thinking, wow, knocking on death's door there, hanging on death's doorstep. And I remember looking at Michelle and saying, you know, I'm not a big traveler, Michelle. I don't like to fly. I don't like to travel a lot. You love it. And I remember making a pledge to her. I was saying, I'm going to give you my time. I could be dead. Bella was just a baby. Christian and Sophie, young children. Family could be without their dad. You could be without your husband. So I'm going to make a pledge to you. I'm going to try my best to work on your time frame. And maybe that's a shift you need to make with your spouse or your family or someone else or maybe in your own psyche. That, you know what? I'm going to re-gift time. I'm so caught up with the clock that I'm missing some really magical moments with people. Or, you know, I'm just so flighty that whenever the mood strikes, I do whatever. And I'm not really respecting the schedule of someone else. You can begin today re-gifting time because our God values it to the point that when the time was right, God sent his son. So this morning, what is the right time for you? And is it the right time for you to do? Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for looking out at your creation observing us, listening to us, and then choosing to say, yeah, this is the time. I'm going to send Jesus. Father, thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for valuing time so that you knew just when to come alongside of us. And maybe this morning, that's right now. Maybe that's right now for some of us. Uh, There's a person, a man, a dad, maybe a wife, email here and they've never experienced you before and the time for you to come alongside them is right now we pray that you move them forward God and we pray for the rest of us God that if we're following you we understand that the one we're following values timing you value how we think about time how we process and experience it so we pray Father for your spirit to prompt us to make the necessary changes or steps forward so that we can become men and women who value time as well. And we'll know that there is a right time and a right place for everything. And to that end, Father, we pray and we praise you. Amen. If you need to talk, be down here to your right. Love to chat with you.